Just because you carry it well doesn't mean it isn't heavy. Today we'll be chatting with a very special person to me, my mom, Denise D'Ambrosio. After my husband, she was definitely a primary caregiver for me and my children, and just an overall huge help to my family during our entire experience with cancer. Thinking about it all from her point of view, quite honestly, breaks my heart. I can't imagine watching my own child go through something so difficult, but she was so incredibly strong throughout it all. At least she made it appear that she was. In this episode, we discuss the ins and outs of what it was like watching your own child go through cancer. Hi, Mom. Hi, Lisa. (laughs) I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you. I'm excited too. Yeah, as you say, I'm with a very deep nervous. <laughs> I'm a little nervous. It's just not natural. For yeah, me. she's nervous. But so before we started recording, my mom was saying that she doesn't like. We've obviously talked about a lot of this because we just went through a lot, and we've right. talked about some of it. But um, I don't think we've talked about the emotions of it together, and I've looking you in the face right. without the chaos of the kids around. Right. And we've never really sat down and had a session. Hashed it out. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so she's a little nervous. Yeah. But we're going to dive right in. Okay. Because I know that what you have to say is not only important, but could really help a lot of people out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, you know, some listeners here can relate to the things that you're saying. And, and that's why we're doing this. Right. Right. You're you're coming from the perspective of a parent who watched their child go through a cancer diagnosis. Correct. And it was an unfortunate situation, but we've learned a lot from it. We so certainly have. We are gonna dive right in. Okay. And I'm I'm not cutting any corners here. We're starting off kinda kinda strong. <laughs> okay. I know this is gonna be difficult for you, but if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Can you take us back to January 3rd, Mm -hmm. 2019? Where were you? What were you doing when Matt called you? Because you obviously were not with me when I got the call. Right. You had um, gone to Connecticut for the holidays with the knowledge of, you know, the anticipation of the biopsy results. And they were on my mind, but I somehow just put it away and said, you know, this is going to be a cyst. This is really nothing. I just really never faced the fact of the actual fear of the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, So when Matt called me, I was just doing my routine stuff. I don't even, I think I blocked that out Mm -hmm. almost. I don't even really have a vivid memory of what I was actually doing when he called, Mm -hmm. but he called and he said, um, Lisa needs you. And that did not make me panic. It was very strange. Hmm. I thought, okay, she's just having a hard time waiting for the phone call. He didn't want to tell me anything on the phone. Which so was so smart of him. I mean, because like, I don't know if I would have been thinking that clearly if I were him. Mm-hmm. Like he had just gotten this news too. He knew that I needed you. It didn't you. scare me. 
it was the strangest thing. Yeah. I drove down here 20 minutes. Yep. Cancer never entered my mind. I thought, okay, she needs me. She's having a hard time waiting for the call. Yeah. You know, because we were, you were very nervous, but you've always been a little bit mm -hmm. hypochondriac about, almost yes. about your personal being. Yes. Um, your health and, and the health of people you love. You were very uptight about that. Um, even though we've never suffered any kind no. of loss as a family. Right. Um, so anyway, as I pulled up to Longwood, um, Longview, Longview, sorry, <laughs> Longview and parked my car, I, I wasn't panicking and I came and I ran, Ryan was really little and he came running to the door when I rang the doorbell and then Matt came and he looked at me right in the eyes and he told me right at the door, I hadn't even stepped up I, into yeah. the door and he said, Lisa has breast cancer and I fell to the ground. Yeah. I mean, I lost my footing. Yeah. And he physically had to catch me. Um, that's a really big memory for mm -hmm. me. And then I had the visual of you sitting on the kitchen floor mm -hmm. um, on the phone. So I couldn't talk to you right away. You were still on the phone. Um, I must have been on the phone. That was not the original phone call because I'm pretty sure they called me several very times. shortly after mm -hmm. to start talking about. I mean, they dive right in, which is a lot for someone to handle right. who's just been handed that news, that diagnosis. But they called me to start scheduling appointments. So I'm pretty sure that that's, that's what that phone call was. But yeah, oh, maybe. The I don't image really of... remember who you were talking no, to, right. but Ryan was all over me and... um and Aiden maybe was napping. He was. Yep. So I, I didn't see him, but it was really, um, shocking to me. It was really shocking. I wasn't expecting it at all. So yeah. even though we were waiting for it and even though you had fears about it and mm -hmm. I had talked to you off the ledge, yep. um, as you often do, I just wasn't expecting that news at all. Yeah. No, I, I, ugh. If you could use one word to describe or adjective to describe how you felt that day, what would it be? Oh, wow. There's many. Um, I would say petrified would be my first one. Mm -hmm. Horrified, mm -hmm. devastated. Um, would you say shocked? I would definitely say shocked. Yeah. yeah. So it, there's a mixture of emotions I, I had never experienced before. So it was... Um, surreal almost mm -hmm. i mean i have memories of that whole day but um it's out, so a lot of the words that you said surround fear and i think matt and i talked about that mm -hmm. as well that you know you're handed that diagnosis and you don't know anything else except for the word cancer and right we didn't know your grade or no, your stage or nothing we didn't even know triple negative at that point. I don't even know. I don't know if Dr. Pincus had told me that on the phone, on the original okay. phone call. But even if she did, we didn't know what that meant because right. we've never had experience. As a right. family, we, we don't know much about it. Right. You know, you just hear the word cancer and you panic. You think exactly. death. You think exactly. it's a death sentence. Yeah. So that or unknown. Or a long, long road, you know. That's... Right challenging and scary. Right. And I, I had never faced that. Right. So what <clears throat> about that day specifically, and even the days that follow, 
that followed that? What stands out to you the most when you think back to that time? Um, I would say um, just being here all the time and um, trying to give you the space or Matt really encouraging him to have the time and the privacy to tell his family um, and have their support and love and um, and just be here for the kids so that you too as adults had some space and because with the kids it's like you have to try to act normal and right. that's even when you're sick you you know it's just awful but that even just hearing and obviously I knew that it must have been difficult but just thinking I'm trying to put myself in your shoes. I'm trying to picture being a mom, which I am, but that my son being grown and him getting handed a cancer diagnosis and me having to, not having to, because you wanted to help, you needed to help, you're my mom. But like that balance of your own fear and your own emotions mm -hmm. with needing to kind of put on that brave face and just kind of go about life. And they were so young that they didn't know what was going on. So like balancing that just must have been absolutely beyond difficult. It was. It was hard to be playing on the floor and to know that you and Matt were in the basement talking to Lori or um, or that was that, that day. That was that, that was day. that day. Yeah. But yeah. then Every day after that, yeah. you know, I mean, playing on the floor with the kids and and being <clears throat> their caregiver yeah. when you couldn't be, yeah, um, was hard. Yeah, it was hard. This is another thing that's probably going to be difficult for me to hear about, um, mm -hmm. but again, I think it's just so important to share with with the listeners, especially those who have been either in your shoes or who can relate as a caregiver. How did you, and you can kind of answer for dad as well, because you had each other, but how did you process or cope with the news when you weren't around me or the kids? Okay. Um, see, this makes me really emotional yeah. because for most of my married life, raising you guys, um, you and Deanna, dad has always been more like you very worried about mm -hmm. health of his he's family. The worrier, for he's sure. the worrier yeah. of, of our family. Yes. Um, he took on a totally different role um, during your diagnosis and treatment. He became my rock, which was new in our marriage. Mm -hmm. um, as far as that, I was usually the optimistic, stronger one. Um, as far as emotion mm -hmm. and he was usually the one that was worried and we switched. Um, just naturally, like he just, na yep, he became, um, he was very involved in your yeah. oh care gosh. plan mm -hmm. and he, uh, he went to every single appointment, mm -hmm. diagnostic appointment and everything. Um, and I was home with the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, but on an emotional level, he was he was weak at times. We took turns. It was very interesting mm -hmm. and it was, it was beautiful. It was perfect. I mm -hmm. wouldn't change a thing about that. Um, I also got a lot of support. I, I crumbled mm -hmm. with Debbie, my sister-in-law and Paula. Mm -hmm. um, 
I crumbled with both of them, like almost Which on the floor. Is important level. to let out though. So like I'm that kind of cry that you don't ever that yeah. I'd never done before. Yeah. Um, and then I crumbled again with my mother and my sister, um, Annalisa. So I had support mm -hmm. where I totally lost it. Yeah. Um, and I went to the gym. I kept going to the gym mm -hmm. if I could. Mm -hmm. um, I went to crew and did spin classes. Mm -hmm. And um, Kristen is the teacher and she was very, she has a talent of bringing the room together mm -hmm. in the dark. Mm -hmm. And you really do release a lot of energy and emotion during mm -hmm. those classes. Absolutely. And um, they supported me greatly as well. So you had a lot of support. I did. Period, when my is... friend Jeannie, who's a nurse, would yeah. I would bounce the neg you know, the medical stuff off of somebody that, right. you know, I'm a nurse. So um, having too much medical knowledge is a blessing and a curse mm -hmm. at the same time. Um, so she would always kind of put me down and say, okay, this is what this means. Or mm -hmm. she would look up stuff for me mm -hmm. um, that I was too afraid to look up. Mm -hmm. So I did, I had an incredible support system mm -hmm. and I cried with your sister a lot, mm -hmm. but Unfortunately, and I'm I'm gonna say unfortunately, um, she was pregnant. Yeah, during that time, and um, it was really hard seeing you post chemo with Deanna, and then again with Jack. Mm -hmm. um, I think you looked your sickest when Jack was yeah. born. Mm -hmm. um, and I have guilt that I couldn't give Deanna everything I wanted to mm -hmm. during her pregnancy. That, that was very hard. And yeah. that was something that was on my mind too. Um, because, you know, they, they say that you really should not be stressed when you're pregnant. You right. should try and, and, you know, um, not feel that way or try right. your best not to for the health of yourself and for the health of the baby. Um, but there was obviously no going around. I mean, she had to know, she had to know what was going on. My original thought was that I didn't even, I mean, she, I didn't want her to hear it. I didn't I want know. her to. That's why you called Dan first. Yes. That's a whole, we, that's a whole, that could be a whole episode of itself. With Deanna, yes. maybe, you know, yeah. I think that that is, would be the best thing, but it was hard. It was hard for her to have a toddler and go yeah. through pregnancy and be exhausted and, and me not be able to really be there right. for her. Right. And I wasn't there for her as much as I was for every other pregnancy. And just I'm just picturing, again, from your point of view, the juxtaposition of having one daughter in one of the happiest moments of her life, you know, mm -hmm. giving birth to her second beautiful, healthy baby. Mm -hmm. It's such a joyous occasion, such a joyous time. Meanwhile, your other daughter is going through the absolute hardest part of her life and right. the worst situation anyone could ever ask to be in right. so that alone i mean it was hard yeah that's very hard from a parent point of view i just can't can't even kind of switching gears a little bit to talk a little bit more about your role as a caregiver when when did you feel most helpful to us to <clears throat> matt and i and when i say us i mean matt and i mm -hmm. 
because obviously he was coming, you know, to every appointment with me. So that was the priority um, to give him the opportunity and the choice. Um, and he chose like a wonderful person that he is to be with you for every single appointment. Um, that's an interesting question because I remember the day of the diagnosis driving home because dad and I had separate cars. Mm. I think I called Jeannie and told her that day. And, um, and then when I hung up the phone, I missed my exit. I just was like in my own oh, mindset geez. and I was just talking to myself saying, okay, we've got this. We're going to get through this. And 2019, because it was only January 3rd, um, 2019 is the year of Lisa. I'm going to cancel every single thing on my list and anything that Lisa needs is what I'm going to do. That's just going to be my year. Um, and that's what it was. Mm -hmm. I, I never wanted you and Matt to even have to think about childcare. Mm -hmm. That was my priority. Mm -hmm. I was going to, for anything, for for absolutely anything. Mm -hmm. And, and we needed it a lot because as yeah. you know, not only the appointments at Dana-Farber, mm -hmm. but the infusions, I mean, they were hours and hours and hours. I don't- So I, early in the morning uh, that so I'd come early. and spend the night and the night before, we're yeah. sitting in the room, you know, it became Nenny's bed. It did. The guest bedroom to, to Ryan. It was my room. Yeah. And it became um, just where I, I had the same bag and it just, yep. and that does. And your pillow. And my pillow, yeah. always my pillow. <laughs> yeah. But I would, I still flash back to that. Yeah. You know, if I ever come over here with mm -hmm. a bag, it still brings me back to. Yeah. I should have just left a lot of that. You should have. I, I know. But I didn't yeah. for some reason. I brought it back and forth. Um, it was, it was a lot. It was a many, many times that I would stay here. Right. Um, I, not only for the treatments, but then because you weren't feeling well and you had the and setbacks had to go to work. And yeah. Matt, not only work, I just can't even get over. He, he obtained his master's during this, yeah. he bought a house during this. I mean, it was a lot of time yeah. and commitment mm -hmm. and, um, I wouldn't change a thing. No, not a thing. I truly don't know what we would have done without you. I mean, when you think back at the amount of time, like you were just saying, mm -hmm. like I just think about anyone having to go through that, not living near family. I can't. And I tr idea. like, I actually don't know what they do because when you have little kids, I mean, you know, it's all hands on deck all the time. They were not school age. They were no. not like there. It was, it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. We did swimming lessons. I tried to keep their life as routine. Mm -hmm. That was possible. important to me too. Yeah. Right. Which was asking a lot of you, but the I school teachers got to know me, the yeah. swim instructors. I mean, I just stepped into your shoes, yeah. but I learned that from my mother because right. on joyous occasions, I would go away with dad and mom yep. would step into my shoes. And yeah. And life would just go life on. Would yeah. Continue un, un, no Unfazed. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now we're talking a lot about how much you gave of yourself to us as a caregiver. I mean, you even said it, you kind of blocked off the whole year because yeah. it, we knew that it would take, I mean, my active treatment was 10 months. I mean, it's a, practically a whole year. Mm -hmm. um, can you share 
how you refueled yourself, you know, both physically or mentally in between helping us? I don't think I did a very much of that. And, and that is in my nature. Yes, it um, is. She, okay. I'm sorry. I got to cut you off for a second okay. because people that are listening to this, if you don't know my mom, she is, she is the definition of selfless, meaning she will literally drop anything to help someone if they need it, regardless of anything else, regardless, you know, sometimes it's her fault. And mm -hmm. I, I talk to her a lot about this, but even at the sake of her own mental health, her own physical health, I mean, she will do anything. She puts others before herself constantly. Um, so, yeah, I. So I would say, I would say once again, crew, which is the spin and bar site studio that I belonged to um, at that time. And I, I did, I did cut down way you know, I did not attend as much as I had been. Um, but when I had a free day, I would go. Mm -hmm. um, I did um, a bath sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, I took a nap. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, that's it. I, I really didn't take a lot of time for myself that year. Did you find because you talked before a lot about the people who you had for support mm -hmm. did you find that talking to others refueled you or do you feel like that was more of check-ins and they were just checking on your mental health but it wasn't really a way for you to like i don't know it was a support yeah um definitely a support it was a picking me up off the floor initially um and even as recently as one of your MRIs or something, maybe maybe a year ago, mm -hmm. um, I was on the phone with Auntie Paula and I was having almost one of those ugly cry moments and anticipation of what you were going to call and say. And I was flashed back and she just kept me on the phone. Mm -hmm. um, and that helped. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that was more of a support, right. not a way to like no yeah no that's and it's hard i think as a caregiver that's probably one of the biggest challenges um is finding ways to to because this was such a huge part a huge change in our lives right. we're a very close family correct what happens to someone feels like it's happening to you yes that's just how we are it's how we've always been so and we've always been extraordinarily blessed oh yeah with health and happiness mm -hmm. and financial comfort and you know i did have to work but i wasn't i did work to put you through school and to you know get you married and all that stuff um but i had retired from my stressful job mm -hmm. um luckily I know. before Can you imagine this. i would have i would have retired immediately right um but I had that almost six months, I think it was, or almost a year before yes. your diagnosis that I had for myself and to enjoy the kids on yeah. a natural, healthy way. So. Right. I'm 
honestly didn't even think of that, but I'm glad that you were able to kind of go out on your own terms. That would have been just another thing of guilt for me to feel like you had to stop that to help. Yeah. Oh my goodness. We've kind of touched upon this already, but you know, we've mentioned that the one of the very major ways that you helped us was being with the boys when we went to infusions, you know, entertaining them when Matt was working and I wasn't feeling well after a chemo infusion. With them being so young, was it difficult for you to have to act like normal? Because we didn't, they didn't really get what was going on. So, or do you think it helped distract you for a bit, you know, just playing with them, which... I feel like it did distract me. If I was far away, I would have felt out of touch. I felt like I was immersed in your family. Mm -hmm. Um, The good, the bad, and the stressful part of your family. And um, I wouldn't change that at all. Because if I was long distance or if I was working and couldn't be here, my mind would be here anyway. So I found that as a blessing that I was able to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And just be part of it. It was a blessing for us too. Actually, the biggest part of the ending of your treatment was very hard for me. And I we've never talked about this, but when you're a parent, a big part of being a parent who's involved and loving is letting go mm-hmm. um, and letting you fly on your own mm-hmm. and giving you independence. And mm-hmm. I had to redo that. Um, wow. Which was really, so yeah, that's going to make me cry because. That's okay. Did it bring you back? So when was the last time, like when I went off to college, is that when you felt it first? Like when is the other so time I it brings still had you back Deanna to? Yeah, right. Um, so almost empty just, nest, like. <laughs> just the whole beauty of raising a child. It's yeah. It's part of it. Yeah. Um, but being immersed in your married life, and feeling like your son-in-law is your son mm-hmm. and your grandchildren are in your daily life. Mm-hmm. It was really challenging to step back. Mm-hmm. See, I didn't know that at all, which is fascinating to me, but yeah, you had to parent again. I, I, I mean, we be went there yeah. for, I couldn't be here every day. So I had to step back and let you have your life again. When you were strong enough to have it. But that's radiation was every day. Every single day. Um, yeah. And then suddenly it was over. Right. So it was very happy and I was elated. Um, but the hands on. Yeah. Mothering. Yeah. Was ripped off like a band-aid. See, and it's funny that you're saying that because I. It was obviously a massive adjustment for me as well. I mean, I feel like I am definitely going to be talking more about that. But in, you know, my writing that I've shared, you know, when active treatment ends as the patient, Mm -hmm. especially with triple negative, when there really isn't anything else to do. Right. That is how I felt. I felt like my doctors kind of just did that. What you were just describing, you know, they left. They, Right. right. They kind of are like, okay, fly away now and yep. we'll see you in six months. Right. Um, so to jump right back into quote unquote normal life was difficult 
for me, but I, and this is something that I deal with even before cancer, but the guilt, I mean, you have a lot of guilt too in different aspects of your life. Yes. So I think that has rubbed off on me, but I, which is unfortunate. I remember even when I was going through treatment, feeling guilty for how much you had to be there. And, and I knew that you wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I knew that you knew that we needed you. The only other draw was Deanna. Right. And, and dad was extremely patient. I mean, I was never home. Right. And, but he always had food, but he was working a lot. Yeah. Home to an empty house or whatever. But, um, I, the, the letting go part. Yeah was really challenging for yeah. me. Uh, you needed time with Matt, feeling good and planning your life. Mm-hmm. And I was always there just in case you got tired or mm-hmm. anything happened. Mm-hmm. But I had to I had to step back. And you were feeling that meanwhile, I was like, oh, I'm so glad that she can like not have to be here every oh. day, which is so <laughs> yeah, funny just to funny. think about it from both sides. Yeah. But that's that's where my guilt was coming in. And I was like, oh my goodness, she can mm-hmm. make her own life schedule now. That she was can hard go. for me. Yeah. That yeah. was hard for me. Well, transitions and change is hard for everybody. And that, that mm-hmm. was a big, definitely a big change. And something that, again, I really do think I, I'm going to do a whole um, episode on this because they don't prepare you for that. You right. don't really learn. You're not, you're not told the ins and outs of every part of this experience and and that transition into you know what they call survivorship which was i really struggled with that word for a long time especially immediately after mm-hmm. um yeah they don't prepare you for that they don't prepare you for what that was like so it's right. very interesting um kind of segueing into present day life, or, you know, now we're almost coming up on three years from my diagnosis. From your perspective as my mother, what is the biggest change you've seen in me, would you say? Because I've changed a lot. You've changed dramatically. (laughs) I've changed a lot. Hopefully in good ways. I'd say um, 98% for the better. Um, I think you've, like anybody who goes through a big trauma, I think, um, and I wish it didn't take a trauma, but your life appreciation, your your appreciation for the beauty of your life. I knew that in, originally when you had the diagnosis, um, you always had a an appreciation for how happily married you were and how much in love with your children and home life. So you've always had that appreciation, but now I think you look at that daily and you're so grateful for everything. Mm -hmm. Your self-care has improved dramatically. Mm -hmm. You've learned so much that you're trying to teach others, trying to teach your family on clean living and clean eating and product use. And, um, but I think the biggest thing is, is your passion and need for helping others that have gone through or are going through what you have been through. And 
all forms of cancer. Um, but your need to teach and to talk about the emotional part of it and to um, heal through knowledge and, and writing and all that stuff is new. Um, mm -hmm. You are a teacher mm -hmm. and you're doing that on a different platform. And I think it's beautiful. Thank you. I mean, that's why I'm doing this. I, I just, I, I, I'm focusing on what I personally feel like there was a lack of for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is a need for people to talk about the things that don't get talked about enough. Exactly. And, and it has to be raw yep. and honest yep. and, and you're doing a wonderful oh, job. Thank you. Yeah. No, we're not, we're not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, it's not something you really can sugarcoat to be honest, the right. experience. So, um, I think you're right. I mean, I am a former elementary school teacher, so I have that like love for teaching in me. It's ingrained mm -hmm. in me as it is. And, and I you just have a love for writing. Yeah. I just think that mm -hmm. I, feel like I'm finding my purpose a little bit, which feels really great because I felt very lost for a long time. And right. I'm sure other cancer patients or, uh, you know, survivors can relate to that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty that stick stuck with the job they were doing because they love it so much and they just go about their life, which is beautiful in its own right. Exactly. But I had this big shift shift and right. a wake up call I, I don't even know how else to explain it but like it just thinking about what i did with my life prior to cancer just doesn't fit it doesn't feel like me anymore mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that yeah i mean that's a huge way in which i've changed i think right right and that some of that is a lot of that is positive Lisa. Yeah. I mean, I think that you're still afraid. Oh yeah. Um, every little symptom and I don't know how long it's really classic PTSD. Oh yeah. Um, I don't know how long that will be. No, maybe forever. I don't know. Um, I'd like to think it's going to get better. With I, would, time, but... I would really like to think it's going to get better. But I can't I'm not afraid. Yeah. It's the fear that, right. that I don't like to see. I can't imagine there ever, I mean, people say, I, I have talked to people who, you know, are seven, eight, nine, ten year survivors mm -hmm. that say that they barely think about it anymore. And I, that's still a very difficult thing for me to wrap my brain around. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be one of those people, truly. I hope so. I hope I, so. Yeah, I mean, I. I still think about it every day. Yeah. So I'm not there yet right. either. Right, right. Um, I think we have to reach certain milestones right. to get to that point. Right. Um, and I think part of your um, involvement in the social world, social media platform yeah. on this, you know, is scary because you not everybody has the same path right. and the same diagnosis and right. the same future. Um, and you're still embedded mm -hmm. in some of the scary parts of the diagnosis, mm -hmm. so. Which is hard, and we've talked about that. Right, yeah. and that's the people that you want to touch, right. but at the same time, it's touching you in a hard way. It is, it is, and I think that that's where my self-care comes in. Um, 
because you mentioned, I mean, I was never good at that. And, right. and that was something prior to cancer, I knew I wanted to work on it. I mean, every mom does. I think you were starting to work. I on was it. starting to, which mm -hmm. is, it was all very weird timing, but mm -hmm. I was finally starting to kind of get into that, um, you know, filling my cup before I can fill others. That right. saying, it, which is very difficult as a mom, regardless of cancer. Absolutely. I mean, it's an almost impossible thing mm -hmm. because of the guilt, because of the time. And I certainly the... never taught you how to do that. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, you're getting that a lot from Matt, I think. For sure. Um, yes. And that's one of the gifts he's given you. So. Yeah. Yeah. But now it's a priority. And had cancer not happened, I feel like I very easily could have fallen back into what I did before and, and not making myself a priority. But it's just so important. Right. And again, not only just for my physical health and the benefits that has, which it does, um, but my mental health is where I Where you feel, feel it the most. Yeah, yeah, I feel it the most. And I think it's both of you have that. Both you and Matt have that. Mm -hmm. um, he, that's a stress release for him. Mm -hmm. And it's a life priority. And mm -hmm. I think you're going to teach your children that. And mm -hmm. I think it's a positive thing, a positive yeah. characteristic to have. Um, it's one that I didn't have and which he gave to you. So I'm, I'm very happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. You may have already touched upon this, but I'm going to ask it. Um, anyway, what, what about our experience with cancer as a family has made the biggest impact on you? Do you think? Wow. Um, I think just the appreciation of mm -hmm. what we do have as a family yeah. and how lucky we are and how much we love each other mm -hmm. and siblings and in-laws and, um, and how much fun we have together and the value of time mm -hmm. and um, the value of making precious memories. And, mm -hmm. So just a perspective shift. A perspective shift. Yeah. yeah. I think that that is the biggest thing. And our family... I feel like that answer works for the whole family. Yeah. I don't think we've changed that much right. because we did have this love for each other before we did, the yeah. diagnosis. We I mean, did. I don't think we, we spent a lot of time. We vacationed already yeah. prior to your diagnosis. Yeah. So I don't think we've changed anything. Um, but we maybe enjoy it a little more. Maybe we, we enjoy it a little bit more mm -hmm. and I think appreciate it more. Yeah. I think what's difficult, Lisa, is that we went from, 2019 <sighs> cancer into Don't even a get pandemic. Right. So I think it's been difficult to truly celebrate yes. your accomplishments and, and your victories. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. We haven't talked about that yet, but yeah. So just to give everybody a, a little bit more information, which my active treatment, I was diagnosed in January of 2019, right at the new year. My active treatment went all the way to October. Mm -hmm. So we did have six months of quote unquote normal life. But right. as my mom and I have already talked about, we were really just almost like getting our bearings. Recovering. Like it, exactly. Right. Recovering, trying to figure out our new normal, trying to figure out what life was going to be making plans. Right. We were making plans right. and, and thinking about how, how beautiful the summer is going to be and how beautiful, exactly. like we can just, we have this time, we're all healthy, we have our health. And then that March, Right. Six months later is when when the world shut down. Right. And it has not been normal since. No, so it has not. So we really went from a 
very traumatic, life-changing year Mm -hmm. in 2019 Mm -hmm. into here we are on the cusp of 2022, Mm -hmm. which is just wild to even think about or say, and we have yet to really be able to kind of go back to normal. (laughs) I mean, there has been no normal. And that's our story? Yes. But my mind goes to a grateful part Yes. That yes. you were not diagnosed in 2020. Oh my gosh. Can you even imagine? No, I can't imagine all the people that have gone through cancer alone because they couldn't have no, right. a significant other with them during right. every treatment right. or it's just, or not have the appointments when in a timely manner because things exactly. were not normal. Having I mean, this... surgeries get canceled or, right. or radiation. They actually closed down at Dana-Farber. They were not giving radiation treatment for a little right. bit. And so that like, is terrifying. Um, I'm sure that they've caught up and they're trying to yes. make the best effort they can. But adding that, those two things at the same time, I'm grateful that yes. we didn't have that. Yes. Um, and my prayers go out to those who did. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Because even when you think back to me being diagnosed, finding it myself, you mm-hmm. know, there's no way if we were in the middle of a pandemic, even with our connections, because I've talked about that, you know, mm-hmm. that dad is the one who got me right in for that appointment right. because it was the same practice as at he, the one he works at, um, just a different location. But like, even with the connections, I, I don't, I honestly don't think it would have been as timely as no. we needed it to be. Right. I mean, we, it was in a lymph node, like we needed to get moving and the it doctors. It was a miracle, Lisa. Yeah. It was a miracle that you caught it when you did and you acted on it. Yeah. And I was like, it's a cyst, it's a cyst. And you kept persevering. And I said, okay, let's just get it checked. You're not going to be able to relax. Right. I mean, the way it all panned out. Is the um, way it had to. Is the way it had to. Is the way it had to. And, and I just remember that the doctors and that was always a scary thing to to wrap my brain around. But one thing that I would ask them is like, how long has this, like if you had to here. guess, right. right, like how long has this been here? Could I have caught it a lot earlier? And I want to say that it was the surgeon, the first surgeon I met through Harvard Vanguard, who told me that her guess based on the grade and everything mm-hmm. would be like about six months, maybe right. a little less than that. And so I'm immediately thinking back, that's right when Aiden turned one, like right, right around his right. one year birthday. I breastfed him that entire year, even yeah. a tiny bit past. Exactly. And I never, I mean, it must, it was very small then if it was there. Correct. I definitely did we not feel it. We could have thought it was a milk. Exactly. Know, yeah. You know, so like, doctor. I, I, I don't think I would have found it prior to that, but I'm just... Very lucky that I did because I remember the doctors saying, I mean, they wanted to get the port in me like that. We, they wanted, they, they knew the severity of it. Right. And without scaring me, they were telling me, you know, we really can't wait on this. Like we need to get this started. Right. Yeah. We were very lucky for that. Um, And and I'm thankful also, and I don't know if you've spoken about the choices of ports versus non-ports. We haven't. I haven't talked about that. And I think that's a really interesting thing to talk about for people who are in the decision-making portion of their treatment. Um, And you chose to to not have a port and to get the IV every time. Which was a very risky choice. I mean, it it was was risky. Because you're a hard access as well. I am. My veins 
at that time, it's funny because I don't know if this is a little silver lining after the fact, but since I've gone through chemo treatment, I have not had a issue at all with anyone getting to my veins. So I don't know if they've changed. It's strange. But prior to cancer, I literally would show up if I ever had to give blood or whatever. And I would have to A, ask for the baby needle because that's like the best way for them to access my veins, my tiny, teeny veins. I would have to drink like a gallon of water for them to even sort of show up. So I was a very, very, very hard stick as they say. Um, And so all the doctors really wanted me to get that port. And I know, and I don't want to dive too deep into this right now because I agree. I think this is something we can really talk a lot about. Um, I can get someone on here who had a port because a lot of people love their port and find that it takes a little bit of that stress off, which I can see. I mean, at the beginning Mm -hmm. of every infusion, there were times where I had to get poked like a few times and they always told me that if they poked me too many, they couldn't, I couldn't get my infusion that day. So again, it was very risky, but we can kind of, I'm going to dive into that. That's a really good point. Yeah. I think that's a topic that people would want to hear about I but have I to go through because it. it's a decision it's a it's, it's a, a big decision right. it's a surgery it's something that's you know you have for a while and mm-hmm. then um yeah so we'll we'll dive into that on another episode for sure um do you think the boys have been impacted at all I mean they were so young and I talked a lot about this on Matt's episode with Matt um do you think they're from your point of view, do you think their personalities have been kind of affected? Do you think that they were... Well, if any, it would be Ryan. Yeah. Um, I think Aiden was too young yeah. to have any recollection at yeah. all about it. Um, Ryan, I think he was at a very impressionable age, but because we chose to have his life remain yeah. as unchanged as possible, um, I think... He probably remembers it. I'm mm-hmm. sure he remembers portions of it when you mm-hmm. lost your hair, mm-hmm. um, big portions of it. When you were sick, um, he had to be quiet or gentle when yeah. he couldn't sit with you with radiation. You know, I think those things he possibly remembers. Yeah. Um, I know that I wouldn't have had the time that I had with with them right. um, had you not been diagnosed. Right. Um Oh, so their relationship, relationship with you is with, yeah. Our my relationship special. with the boys is very special. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think it would be special anyway because yes. that's how how we are. But I think the amount of caregiving time uh-huh. I had mm-hmm. um, increased our closeness. Mm-hmm. I think that they are not marked in a bad way um, towards anything. No, um, I think COVID is marking them again. Yes. Um, like all children. I think Ryan is very sensitive and he's becoming empathetic, which mm-hmm. is right on point with his age. You know, he's learning about not thinking just about himself. Right. And thinking of others and right. he's showing beautiful signs that he is going to be empathetic. Um, I think maybe your cancer had something to do with that too. Yeah. On how empathetic he's going to be. And- yeah. But they definitely didn't and still don't understand the severity. No. And, no. and I I don't plan on kind of really hashing that out with them until they're older, but Right. Yeah. There will be photographs that they will see, yep. even the beautiful gift that your friend Lisa gave you of you 
crossing the finish line as a family on the oh the Lisa walk and Greg the yes. photograph yes. yes yes I think you know your hair was really short mm -hmm. and you have the survivor banner on and they might look at that one day and ask a question yep but I think they probably remember the walk um I don't know I'd have to ask them yeah that. you'd have to ask them I don't think or Aiden what does. that means. I don't think Aiden does, what was but... that walk about I think it would be an interesting conversation yeah, for to sure. have with Ryan for sure I think Ryan should be a guest on your Ooh. podcast <laughs> Oh, interesting. Yeah, that would I think be. I think it would be if you could just it would have be. a little conversation yeah. with them. It would be interesting. Oh, that'd be cute. Yeah. All right, I'll think about that. What are your hopes and dreams for the future for my family, for me, for us uh, as a family unit? Wow. What are you hoping? Um, to recover but never forget. I think would be mm -hmm. my answer. Um to have the days that we think about cancer, you know, spread further and further apart, yeah. um, to value each other, to continue to value each other and to spend as much time together in joyous occasions that we can mm -hmm. and to support each other in times of trouble because that's part of life. Mm -hmm. Um, and we're blessed to have that. Um, and that you're, you know, I think you have a beautiful family, Lisa. I think you're truly, truly blessed. Mm -hmm. I don't think every family is like yours. Mm -hmm. um, the love you have for your husband and that, that he has for you. Mm -hmm. um, the love of your home, the peacefulness of your home. It's a beautiful thing to watch as a parent. Mm -hmm. And I'm extremely grateful to that. Mm -hmm. um, no, I feel that too. For sure. So that's my answer, I guess, to continue to relish and enjoy every minute that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Now I ask every single person I interview the same question to mm -hmm. close out the episode. And I do feel like you've already kind of answered this, but maybe you can think of something else or maybe you just say the same thing and that's fine. Okay. But what, what are you grateful for now more than ever? You. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I am. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for your health, your continued health. I pray very strongly that we continue to have great news. Mm -hmm. There's going to be humps. Mm -hmm. There One already have us, been. There have been humps um, <laughs> yep. regarding this cancer. Yep. Um, but there's 10 of us, you know, in yeah. our immediate family. And, you know, somebody's going to have an accident or a broken bone or, you know, there's going to be humps of life. And, yeah. and we just need to pull together and be strong and, and go through them together. Absolutely. Ride the waves. Ride the waves. Right. Absolutely. Right. Crazy waves at times, but. Right. But all fun. Yeah. You have well. to look at them as, well, no. I mean, they all yeah. have. Pros and cons. We've, we've gained a lot of positive yes, things. Yes, we have. Yes, we've we have. grown. We've yes. absolutely grown. We have. So. I cannot thank you enough for coming on. I know this was, you it were was, so nervous, but you did nervous. great. I was nervous because I just, I kind of stiffen up when I. No, but you didn't. And we were just, you know, you shared a lot of really important things. And um, I, I even have more ideas of things we can talk about mm -hmm. that I think your perspective is a very, very important one. So thank, thank you for you. sharing it. And I really appreciate it. I love you more than anything. Love you so much. Okay. So, so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. 
I hope that you enjoyed hearing my mom's perspective. Um, I know that I even learned some things that I didn't know before um, or during, you know, my experience with cancer. But I think our conversation hopefully um, was one that people can relate to. And um, yeah, she's just a very special person. So I hope you enjoyed it and, and got to see that for yourself. Um, next week is another, I feel like I say this every time, but another episode that I'm just so excited for. Um, I am interviewing Nick Galarakis. He is the executive director of the Stephen G. Cancer Foundation and Elephants in Tea magazine. I have been incredibly lucky enough to be a very small part um, of the organization. And I just wholeheartedly believe in everything that they stand for and um, stand behind everything that they do for the adolescent young adult cancer community. Um, And our conversation brings a lot to light Um, not only about how he got the foundation and organization started, but kind of what his goals are and what their ultimate goal is um, to help others. And it's just really cool to listen to him talk about it and learn more about it. So I hope that you tune in next week. As always, I want to end by saying that I am not a doctor, a nutritionist, or a social worker. I am simply a cancer survivor who wants to share her experience in hopes of helping others who find themselves in a similar situation. Thank you for listening to the Don't Call It a Journey podcast. If you enjoyed it, if you could take two seconds out of your day to give a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, it would mean the absolute world to me. The more reviews and ratings that I have, um, the more exposure that the podcast gets, which ultimately means the more people I can hopefully help. So I would really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. See you next week.